Greetings from sunny South Florida. It's time for the Palm Beach Podcast. And the host of your show, sports chiropractor and athletic trainer, Dr. James Spencer. Photographer and art director, Mike Jones. Recorded live at the Media Zone Podcast Studio in Palm Beach County. Relax and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Palm Beach Podcast. My name is Mike and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. James Spencer. Hey, good to see you guys. Yeah, thanks for uh, being here for another awesome podcast. And today is a very special show because... The last few episodes, we've had some athletes and some coaches, and today we get to bring in an artist, something from my realm. So, Weatherly, thank you so much for joining us on the Palm Beach Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a this is such a treat to be here. And uh, your artwork is amazing, and we'll definitely be sharing links to all of your awesome stuff that the listeners and the viewers can watch later. But why don't you tell okay. people a little bit about how you got started in artwork? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I have thrown you on the spot, <laughs> right? Jumping right in. I let's see. Well, I did my very first oil painting when I was eleven. My um, so my great great uncle was a painter, Gary Melchers, and his dad was a sculptor. And I'd always heard stories about them growing up. And I ended up with, I believe, Gary Melchers' paint box, original paint box, or his small like plein air outdoor paint box. Mm-hmm. So when I was eleven, I broke that out and played around with it and did a painting of a duck I think do you still have that <laughs> actually my mom does that's impressive I put it on I put it on Instagram a couple a couple months ago you got a lot yeah. of likes yeah it was kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> so I think I, I always dabbled when I was in elementary school middle school and then the high school where I went was a great art they had an amazing art program and I took some really great drawing and painting classes there and photography and then I got to college and um took a painting class that completely sidetracked me. It was not what I needed, was not a good fit, and didn't resonate with the, the teacher at all. Turned me away from painting for a long time. And um, then we kind of dabble back. It, like, it kept calling me back. And so I would go back and start mm-hmm. painting again. Mm-hmm. And it just never was quite the right time. And then in 2010, um, I was teaching elementary school. I was a fourth-grade teacher not living the life I wanted to live and uh, kind of blew a few other things just, up in my life. Just making ends meet and, and going yeah. along or what? It was, yeah, I was, um, I was married at the time, uh-huh. not with the person that I, I should be with. Sure. I didn't think. And um, I enjoyed what I was doing, but I wasn't passionate about it and sure. I couldn't see doing it for the rest of my life. And a few other things weren't clicking in my life. So I blew everything up. So I ended up <laughs> Yes, redo. <laughs> um, so I ended up getting a divorce, selling my house, moving, starting to paint full time. And I gave myself, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to try it for a year and see what happens. And um, kind of one thing led to the, another. At the time, I was I had grown up riding horses, and I got back into riding horses around the same time. And so a friend of mine was like, oh, you know, could you – paint a portrait for me we just lost it was actually a dog portrait and they had just lost their yellow lab and she's like would you paint georgia for us I was like, i've never done that before but i'll try it so 
one thing led to another. And so I got into painting animals and doing portraits for people and was writing. And it, That's really cool. Yeah. So very convoluted story. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think like the, the, the thing that strikes me with that conversation is that you weren't fulfilled, right? Like you... Yeah you knew that you had more potential and, and space for growth and things that you wanted to do. And kudos to you for getting out there and getting after it. Thank you. Yeah. I really realized, I think, I think it took a while for me to figure myself out and I'm still learning all the time about what is important to me and where I want to go with my life. And, um, yeah, I think, I think I finally, yeah, I think I finally listened to my inner voice and I'm at another point in my life right now where I'm kind of changing my business up um and again following that intuition and it's really hard at times but um like you said it's i think the most fulfilling at the end of the day and what do you think really is is it's not the monetary value or or the the end goal because once you get there you've you've realized that's not the fulfillment that you want What, what really is the end goal that you're looking for i think um yeah, it's funny because when I was first starting to paint full time, I definitely, I had to prove myself to myself and to others that sure. the whole starving artist thing was a complete misnomer. And so, yeah, I reached certain financial goals and it was great. And, I was, yeah. and then it left me very hollow feeling. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm realizing the more that I can challenge myself and the more that I can grow as an artist and learn and try new things and get myself out of the comfort zone as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, As scary as it is, it's way more fulfilling and way more, I feel like I'm, it will, it will help me grow exponentially. And and is it more like, uh, Hey, I'm going from watercolors to pastel or are we doing chalk drawings or what, what are you doing now? That's different. Um, so a lot of my business for the first nine years that I started was commission based uh-huh. for other people. Sure. It was like, great. It's somebody else's vision. Sure. Now it's more of my own vision. Awesome. Um, I also do a lot of work. I'm an oil painter, but I, and I traditionally paint on canvas or linen. Now I'm playing around with painting on aluminum. Um, I do some watercolor painting. I've done a sculpture before. And last summer I spent this past summer I was spent, eight weeks in Italy painting outdoors with the bugs and the heat and the sun. And I saw some of your sketches uh, on Instagram. Those are great. Thank you. Thank you. They frustrate the hell out of me, but they were really (laughs) like now looking back, I'm like, Oh, that was really fun. It was a great experience. But at the time I was like, Oh my God, this sucks. And I would throw it, like throw it on the ground and like stomp on it. Yeah. Well, you really have to put yourself in a space where you can just appreciate everything that's going on around you. Right. Like, yeah. You know, because the hustle and bustle of a normal day, everyone's going by and you're just sitting there yeah. with a blank canvas. And that's the beauty of it. Like you have to be completely present and in the moment, which I love about painting. Um, and also getting out of my studio. Like my, my studio, I have a great studio space, but it's a con- very controlled environment. The lights, you know, everything's in the box. Exactly. And so going out and plein air painting, it's like, oh, you know, there goes that shadow. The cloud just covered the sun. So now I need to go over it or leave it or, you know, the, the, you're chasing the light. It gets hot. You're losing your shade with the, you're trying to paint and you have these random people walking by trying to speak Italian to you. <laughs> <laughs> your cappuccino wears off. You're screwed. And where were you in Italy? I was just north of Rome, the okay. Civita Castellana. And why'd you choose there? 
Um, I did a, it was a master class with this artist from, he's from Brooklyn originally, but he lives in Israel and runs a school in Israel. And um, it was with a group of artists. So there was anywhere from 10 to 40 artists, which was the best part of it. Like we had amazing artists of all levels from around the world. And so any given day, you'd go out of your house, you're like, where am I going to paint today? And you run into somebody like, hey, you want to go paint over here? And it's like, perfect. Cool. And so having that camaraderie and that, that community, which I've, it's hard as an artist. I mean, as you know, it, it, it's very solitary. It can be very solitary. Even like painting classes in college were stressful because you're like, is this person watching what I'm doing? Or well, am I yeah. watching well, what why, they're doing? Why isn't it like more openly shared of what you are doing versus kind of, hey, this is what I'm doing over here? I think it's more finding the people that are doing similar things. Okay. I think where my studio is now, we have a great group of artists there, but we're all doing such different things and when i was in italy it's like we're all landscape painting mm -hmm. outside from life and so it's finding people that like-minded like-minded exactly mm -hmm. that are doing something similar and have a similar goal in mind well and i think as well some artists are very self-conscious of their work while it's in process and i remember an exercise that i did at college was to actually draw with a pencil with no eraser i like that and it's, oh, that's and cool. it's just like you know like whatever happens happens you yeah. know there's no erasing you just have to build upon whatever you've done and I, I remember it being a very powerful exercise yeah that's a great exercise actually that's very cool yeah it's um and I think I think it over time I've become more confident you know painting in front of people or or you know sharing what I'm doing in process I did it, it was funny because I did a um I had a friend who's a photographer he came in and did a time-lapse photograph of or time-lapse video of me painting this painting and it's like oh my god this is going terribly so like the second day I came in and like sanded the whole thing and like went over it and it it it's true it's like you get kind of starstruck or, or just you know in the spotlight in the spotlight exactly yeah. yeah and nobody knows but you like it's only in between yeah. your own two ears right yeah and it's just funny how you can like project this like thing that's just imaginary to you yeah it's just weird artist stuff but i'm sure you as because james uh films himself a lot and puts himself up it's uh -huh. the same difference you're still self-critiquing self-judging yeah. I, I was literally just gonna say that I, I think sometimes i i think it's the shittiest video and it may get the biggest response yeah and i'm like man that and then the thing the one that i think's a home run yeah crickets it's the same thing with painting yep. i'll i'll post like painting that i'm so proud of i'll be like this is gonna sell in a heartbeat and, never, and then it's like nothing yeah. and then the, the painting that i think sucks that almost ended up in the dumpster was like makes you the most money yeah totally <laughs> exactly. totally so it's just funny you just it's art is so subjective so i did a little research and saw that you're from detroit originally is that right yes so how did you make it from all the way up there all the way down here Oh, that's a very convoluted story. So I, yeah, so I grew up north of Detroit in Metamora, a small country town. Um, went out to CU Boulder for college and graduate school for teaching. And then ended up, so I was in Boulder for about 10 years. So when it, my art got sidetracked. I ended up becoming a professional mom bike racer for a number mm -hmm. of years. And then ended up in Vail and taught skiing and then messed my back up and started teaching elementary school and then from there when i went through my divorce i got back into riding horses which i had grown up doing and what'd you do um i showed hunters okay and 
stopped for 17 years. And then my mom, my mom continued, my mom was a lifelong equestrian and has always loved the sport, loved That's horses. Awesome. And she would always be like, you want to come ride? You want to come ride? I'm like, nope, <laughs> I'm done. I'm over it. And, um, one Thanksgiving, she was living south of Denver and I was living outside of Vail and she was so funny. She's like, why don't you come ride? I have this really pretty horse. He's lovely. I'm going to sell him, but just come down. Just come you're check coming, him out. Yeah, you're going to come for Thanksgiving anyway. So I went back, I went down and rode this horse. His name was Nolan. He was beautiful. He was like the GQ model of the horse world. <laughs> she like, knew what she was doing. She totally uh, manipulated <laughs> me and I fell, so I fell for it completely. So I fall in love with this horse. I'm like, well, you know, and I was just like walk trotting and cantering. And then of course I'm like, well, can I just jump a little bit? I hadn't, I hadn't jumped in like 15, 17 years. It's like a Cadillac. Yeah. He was totally like riding a couch. He was so comfortable. He was big. He was beautiful. I felt like a princess on him. And, um, <laughs> so yeah, she got me completely sucked back in. Love it. And then I started painting. I, then I stopped teaching and started painting and, we were running and showing together actually for a time, which was really fun and um, decided that it would be great to come down here because the equestrian world here is so strong. And so came down here for a winter and then for the next few years, I would come back and I would go back and forth. Like I would show here and go back on the weekends and then um, I don't know. And then it just kind of evolved. And then, at some point I ended up back in Michigan living in Michigan, mm -hmm. painting full time and riding and Michigan weather weather. I mean, Michigan's a beautiful state, but the weather leaves a lot to be pure Michigan. <laughs> it's cold up there. It's really cold. Summertime's and good though. The summer, which is three months long, is wonderful. <laughs> and my mom still lives there, so I can go and enjoy it. <laughs> Perfect. Great to visit. Great to visit. And yeah, so finally I realized I'm like, I can live I can work from anywhere. I have the luxury of being doing sure. something that is portable and um it's like well florida's as good as place as any and a lot of my clients are here and friends were here so plus no state income tax no state income tax too that's right um yeah so it just seemed it seemed like a good fit and it's funny because I, I never in a million years thought i would be a floridian and uh actually okay. i really enjoy it yeah. yeah yeah there's a lot of it's taken me a while to you know because the horse world's very transient and seasonal and being here year round, it's like I'm finding my little niches of people that are here year round and grounded. And well, and now you got a new niche. I hear rumors of some surf lessons. Yes, I would love it. Yeah, I know. Uh, we were saying before it's it hurts much less to fall in the ocean than it does to fall <laughs> on like snow or concrete or off a horse. Yes. Or off a horse, yes. <laughs> yeah. Especially with beautiful blue waters. Yeah. Yeah, we're very fortunate to be here on Singer Island in Palm Beach County. It's absolutely gorgeous here, and yeah. it's only 20, 30 minutes from Wellington, right? Yeah, it's close. And my studio is 15 minutes, which is really convenient. Yeah. Yeah, I, right. I mean, you know, you, you guys have to pinch me because it's like a dream living here, you know? Hey, BRB, anybody need a refill? You grabbing a freshie? Sure. Thank you. Top us up, Spence. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's um, I, I have to get over my fear factor, but I realize like the more I face those fears, the faster I'll get over them. And I uh, I've tried surfing once. And it was not very good. Well, so the way that you talked about painting is sort of the way that I feel about surfing, where like if you are sidetracked in your brain, like you're just going to miss the waves, like you're going to miss the whole experience. Like you actually just have to be there in that moment because yeah. it's easy to be sitting out there 
being like, oh, you know, I have to go shopping or do my laundry, all these other yeah. things. We get so caught up in our heads. Absolutely. I'm so guilty of it. Whereas, you know, surfing really is Thank like, uh, it's one of those things where Spence and I have these conversations about balance. Um, balance training really stimulates your, your mind. Yeah. Like if, as soon as you stop concentrating on balance, you fall. Interesting. So if you concentrate on anything but your balance, like you're, you, you get know, distracted. Absolutely. That was the point I like that you made uh, about having to be present. I feel the same way about juggling. Um, juggling, slacklining, those were my two study breaks during chiropractic school. And that was something that just allowed me to kind of get out there and not think about that. And when you said that, it was like a light bulb for me. Like not enough people are present. And I think these are yeah. some opportunities. This could be meditation for somebody. Mm -hmm. um, I was talking to an athlete this morning about it. I said, you need to meditate. And your form of meditation may not be mine. It may just be walking out in nature. Yeah. But you have to have some form of being present or else you won't be able to recover as well as you could. So I, I really kudos to that point because that really resonated with me. Well, it's interesting because I'm a lifelong athlete. I mean, I grew up riding horses and I ski raced in high school and then I was a mountain bike racer and then I taught skiing. You know, like I've done now I play tennis and I think my favorite I think that's what I really love about sports is because you really have to be completely present. You cannot think about anything else. And two hours goes by and you're like, wow, what, what happened? Felt like 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's. It's hard to recreate that, I think, in everyday life with all the busyness that we are faced with and the distractions. And I feel like the dog from up, like swirl, <laughs> you know. So let's talk a little bit about the transition. You were talking before about your business and there's some things changing. Obviously, you started off with, you know, a request to paint an animal all the way back. And, and you know, you've, you've made a name for yourself painting animals, haven't you? I have, I, yeah, I have a really nice niche um, with the equestrian world and doing dog and horse portraits. And I'm so grateful for my clients and friends that have supported me along the way. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm still, I'll still take some very selective commissions. I, um, but I do want to pursue my own work. What I was finding was as much as I enjoyed painting for other people and making that connection with my clients, I was really giving my own work a kind of a short stick and not spending the time that I wanted to with it. And so I'm trying to be more, I'm trying to honor that and, and pay more attention to what calls to me as a painter and trying to push myself as a painter more. And, um, it's a little scary because obviously the income is a little less consistent and, um, but it'll evolve. And, um, so yeah, so it's, so big change <laughs> i mean i'm so very relatable uh, in the same world of photography where i made a name and a living taking photos of people and surfing where is like you know my happy place was always just like photographing those empty perfect waves like just something about it it's just you know a canvas to me and i actually create these like challenges in my head where I'm like oh I need to go and take photos like every day this week just to like you know or I need to post like a series or and just do things for me and yeah. I you know hearing you say that it's it's great that you have the awareness of you know what drives you what fulfills you and and going from there it, it's really powerful once you know all that yeah I think one of my fears in life is complacency and 
I never want to be like, I'm always trying to learn, like probably to a fault. <laughs> I'm always pushing myself. I'm always learning. And I do try to, I'm trying to be better about slowing down and like appreciating where I've come and the things that I've accomplished or done or, you know, the good things too. But I'm always like, what's next? Driving forward. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, that's good though. I, I, there's a Gandhi quote that I, I, that makes me think of that. It's, you know, learn as if you'll live forever. Like, mm -hmm. I love that. Be a lifelong learner because it's going to be a continuous growth. And not only is it going to help you, you're going to be able to help somebody else down the road. I hope so. You know, it's cute. I was just in Boulder visiting my brother and my niece. And um, they're, of course, giving me the big push to... A little family time. Yeah, a little family time. And they're giving me the strong encouragement to move back to Boulder. And my niece is an artist. And um, Cool. Yeah, which is really cool. And she's so talented. And it's really in your DNA. It is, which is funny. Like, I... Yeah, it's I get it on both sides. She mm -hmm. gets it. She gets it. Well, obviously, we. So my brother, we have different moms, but so sure. she, she has it from our dad's side. But it's ingrained in her. It's amazing. <laughs> also, and yeah. so it's cute to see her. My brother's always saying how much she looks up to me, and uh, it's 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 sweet for me like to feel that influence, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I and I see her so much more passionate about it and clear about it than I was at her age. Mm -hmm. So. It's really cool. I can't wait to see where she, where she goes with it. Who is a big influence of yours? Um, that's a good question. So I had I had some great professors and teachers in high school that I was really fortunate to have um, that were really supportive and encouraging. And then I've recently been looking at a lot of old the masters painters. Um, well, Matisse is one of my all time favorites. Mm -hmm. I loved Matisse when I was a kid, and um, I have a couple of paintings that I did in the style of Matisse actually one's hanging in my studio. It's really funny. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. And I feel like with internet now, it's so easy to find amazing artists. There's so many talented artists out there. Um, but I, I do still try to go back to older master painters mm -hmm. that were very traditional and, and see what I can take, what nuggets I can take from their work. So, what have you seen to be like a uh, kind of a common theme between those master painters? I think, um, you know, I think between composition and light and color and their use of color and, you know, like what, like Picasso, I think is amazing. And I, I feel like I'm a little bit all over the place as far as I like to paint a lot of things and try new things. And I love Picasso because he, had different stages in his career and you can follow like you can see he has a very traditional foundation and then he was able to push himself into the abstract world and cubism and and mm -hmm. take it into you know so he has such a varied body of work and i love that and um so i think there's something to be learned from all of them you know matisse and his color and i love that um, my, my studio is right by the Norton Museum, so I go over there, and they have some sculptures by Matisse, and they, I love that he... That's convenient. It's really convenient, and it's such a beautiful museum, and it has such a great collection. And Matisse, like, I love... You, in a lot of his work, you can see the process, and you can see, you know, where he erased lines or went over things and left it to the viewer. Or in his sculptures, you can see where he's, like, carving clay but left it really rough and you can see how he how he approached problems to the visual world which yeah. i think is really cool well it was raw it was true mm -hmm. right and not and not enough people would show that vulnerability especially like we were just discussing 
you know, a lot of people are self-conscious of that where he just pivots and, and transforms that into something. That's really well, cool. and I think today, especially with social media, and I catch myself that I'm trying to be more vulnerable with it because I it's so easy to put this like glossy, perfect, you know, yeah, totally image of yourself and everything's, you know, curated and, you know, it, it's there's I think we're losing some of that rawness and some of that authenticity and, you know, well, I think uh, messiness. Yeah, exactly. Even just showing like a halfway completed piece or that time lapse that you talked about before might just give people a little window into, you know, the actual process. Totally. Because yeah. like you're not a painter just by the final picture. Like it's the whole process that makes you a painter, right? Yeah. And I think it makes it people more relatable, you know, when you are not flawed, but you, well, we're all flawed, but like, you know, you can see, oh God, I was really struggling in this day and this, God, this is not going where I imagined. And, you know, but I worked through it and wow, this is here. I never thought that this was going to come out of it. And it's sort of like that behind the scenes. And we've already talked about him once today. So Gary Vee, we're going to bring you up one more time, but it's that his document. And happy birthday. Gary is, is it his birthday today? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Cool. It's the uh, the document mentality versus the create mentality. Yeah. Where it's like, if you just document what you're doing, like you're creating something, you're showing what you're doing. Whereas if you put all this pressure on yourself to have this polished, pretty, perfect thing, like you'll just drive yourself crazy and do detriment to your business. Guilty. Yeah. yeah. Totally Everybody. guilty. Yeah. And well, it's funny because the the guy that led the program in Italy, the masterclass, um, his biggest hang up with me and my work was like, you're trying to create a product, get rid of the sentimentality <laughs> and stop creating a product. I'm like, but I can't, it's, it's so ingrained in me to like finish a painting and it has to be this way. And it's like, it loses a lot of the magic and the, I think the spontaneity. And so that's one thing that I'm working towards in my work going forward is adding a little mystery and adding more to more for the viewer to put together versus here it all is. It's right on a silver platter for you. You know, it's awesome. It, it, it really is so cool to see someone speak with clarity on what, Their what they, is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, you're like a perfect person to come in on the Palm beach podcast because every guest that we've brought in is that same person of, you know, like driven, has that awareness of who they are and what they want to be and are doing great things in the community. Like I know that you give back uh, proceeds from some of your paintings that you sell to animals. I do. I'm a huge animal lover, lifelong animal lover. And I volunteer at the, the Palm Beach County Animal Shelter. Just adopted Gus from the shelter. Tell us about <laughs> Gus. Oh my God, he's the love of my life. <laughs> he's the best. I wish I had brought him. Um, yeah, we do too. <laughs> <laughs> next time I will bring him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, um, so I volunteer there once a week, and one of the um, other volunteers had put something on Facebook. We have a Facebook page for volunteers, and there were three dogs, um, one of which was going to be euthanized like that night at midnight, and that was Gus. And he was, I don't know, his picture just spoke to me. It was like this goofy <laughs> one-off of a dog. He was like a Rottweiler hound mix, of, and he looked petrified in his picture, of course, because he's in the shelter, and he has some gray. So, um, so anyway, I was like, well, I'll foster him. And they're like, well, you know, there's a, there's a rescue that 
might be able to take him and you can foster him for the rescue. The risk you have to fill out the paperwork with the rescue and then the rescue will contact you. And I never heard anything. I'm like, do not kill this dog, please. Like there's some reason that I cannot let this dog go. So they're like, well, we, we postponed it 24 hours and they're basically like, you have to adopt him. I'm like, well, I'm dogless right now. So perfect. Yeah. So the next day I'm filling out the paperwork. They're like, have you actually (laughs) met his name was guardian before I adopted him? And we're like, have you met guardian? I'm like, no, maybe I should go do that. Yeah. And <laughs> so I went out to the yard and met him and he was so sweet. He was just like a gentle giant. He was like 80 pounds and just big and goofy. Oh, he reminds me boy. of Marmaduke. Yeah, I don't know if you boy. remember Marmaduke. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, all right, done deal. So I adopted him and he's just, he's such, he's turned out to be such a good dog. Like he comes and hangs out in the studio and he's, you know, hangs out on the couch with me. He's pretty mellow and he's seven. Owner surrender, trying to, give the people the benefit of the doubt of like, I don't know their situation, but it makes me hate people sometimes. Sure, sure. <laughs> like, no, how could totally. you give this dog up? Yeah, I'm sure you don't spoil Gus at all. No, but I, well, it's funny because I think, so he has all these calluses. Right. <laughs> He's got calluses and scars. So I think he was on like a concrete pad for all of his life. Mm-hmm. And now he's living on, on the, the couch. couch. The yeah. <laughs> but I try to give him bones and like, I'll give him these chewy toys. I'll give him squeaky toys. I'll give him bones. I don't, he's never been a dog. Like he's never had a chance to, he's never. Enjoy that. Yeah. So he doesn't know what to do with them. So he's like, uh, so he just hit it. Like I gave him a bone one day and he just hit it. And then he went and checked on it and made sure it was there and then relocated Instinctual. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he won't chew it. I'm like, Gus, you're, there's lots more where that came from. <laughs> Eat that one. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite things to do in Palm Beach County, maybe with or without Gus? So now <laughs> well, Gus now comes with me pretty much everywhere. Um, but I, I'm now my sport of choice is tennis. And so when I was living in Michigan, I started playing tennis because I'm like, I need a social outlet. I'm working for, at the time I was working from home. I'm work, I work from home. I live alone. I don't want to go hang out at a bar to go meet people. So I need to go do something. So I was like, oh, I always want to play tennis. So this would be a great way to meet people. So now that was kind of same thing here. So I play a ton of tennis, which is fun. Um, I'm actually never in a million years thought I would say this, but I'm turning into a bird watcher. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Like my backyard, I'll go walk with Gus or just even, I have a, a couple of ponds near my house and the bird life here is incredible. incredible. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I've done some bird paintings, which has been fun. And I don't really know a whole lot about them, but I am learning. I'm going to throw this out there. There's a preserve right off of uh, Pearson. Hypoluxo. Oh, Hypoluxo, there's a, a built preserve right there that has, it's like three or four stories. Oh, wow. And very quiet with a huge preserve around there, I'd highly suggest. Okay, I'll yep. have to check it out. Because I know there's one, there's right, one right off, off of Pearson, Pearson yep. which is... Hopping a skip down the street yeah, from us. Yeah, exactly. And I know there's a couple others in Wellington and just in this whole area. It's uh-huh. amazing. So that's fun. Yeah, we are very fortunate to be living in such a beautiful place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're here at Media Zone on Singer Island, like yeah. recording a podcast, having some white claws. It's not a bad Thursday here in Palm Beach County, is it? Not a bad Thursday. Cheers. No. Cheers. Absolutely. So we'll have to tell the guests how they can find you online. Okay. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook and I think LinkedIn, but I don't really do much with it. <laughs> but um, my, so my website is weatherlystrow.com and then on Facebook, um, Weatherly Strow Studio and Instagram is Weatherly Strow Studio also. So awesome. awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys. This is such a treat and what a great studio. And I love what you're doing and 
I think it's going to be a really fun podcast to continue to listen to. Heck yeah. Well, forward. You know, A, thank you for uh, the support and B, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, until next time, uh, you know, I'm sure that we we had this conversation right before, but I don't think this will be the last time that we ever see you in here, right? I hope not. I would love a part two. Part this is dough. great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking some time to share your story. Thank you. And, uh, you know, good luck with Gus at home tonight. And thanks for coming on the Palm Beach podcast. Thank you, guys. This yeah. was fun. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.